everybody welcome to the smalley talk podcast this is your host joshua shrinko and on the other side of the interwebs i have my co-host christian vaughn hello what's up Stel- we're calling you christian stella boy vaughn because he always has that, that stella in I'll, his hand i'll wear that with pride yeah. And we do have a guest tonight. Oh, uh, hell yeah, we have a guest. We well have, known. Yeah. Well known to the podcast. Just a veteran of the game. Dude. And a, let's put it this way. His LinkedIn profile does include two-time guest Smalley Talk podcast. Absolutely. I know that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the only, Dr. Mudbug himself, Reed Morehouse. What's, What's up, up everybody? How's everybody doing tonight? Good, dude. dude. I'm just, I'm just living, man. All, it's been you're all bonered up. We've had you? COVID situations going on over here, so I haven't talked to another adult person in four days, other than my wife. Chris, I told so you, you guys, we shouldn't have made out, dude. I told you when I had COVID, you wanted a tongue, and I said no, but you you couldn't help yourself, and now you're paying you're paying the price, dude. That's true. So, Reed, what you been up to, brother? Uh, working way too much. Uh, just finished the fly fishing festival, the Heartland Fly that. Fishing Festival this past weekend. So very cool. Um, sat up there for the the time being, and then other than that, just working and trying to get ready for spring again. Doing a little bit of boat maintenance and basically trying to figure out something fishing related just to keep myself from going too crazy. Yep, common problem around these yeah. parts. So. Raising <laughs> raising two kids kind of dips into that fishing time right now too. Mm-hmm. How was the uh, how was the fly fishing festival? It was good. There was constant traffic uh, both days, which was somewhat surprising based off of you know just the current times and every other festival or event being canceled all the way around us. So the Kentuckyana event just got canceled recently, uh, but Cincinnati and Fort Wayne are still on as of today. So are you going to both of those too? Uh, maybe Cincinnati, probably not Fort Wayne. Hmm. So are you are you doing like your fly bases thing there or what what's your Yeah, so I sat uh, Moving Water Outfitters was generous enough to give me a corner of their cool. space they had at the Heartland for set up a table for my bases. Yeah. So Well, if you want to give yourself nice. a little plug on that, go go right ahead. Oh, it's just that I I make granite bases that I can wrap the pedestals and either um, brook brown or rainbow trout or smallmouth bass, basically a, a sticker around the pedestal. So you can see pictures on my Instagram, which is Lodic Underfishing or at Lodic Underfi- Lodic underscore fishing. Sorry. So nice. yeah, but yeah, it's it's mainly fly fishing oriented just for that and quite easy busting rock and charging money for it. I was going to say, I've seen it. It's pretty cool looking because you're sort of using like um, like small scrap pieces of granite and that sort of thing. So it looks like a natural like rock. Um, pretty neat though. I th- I thought they were cool looking. I haven't seen yeah. the graphics on them though. I've just seen the bare rock ones. So. Oh yeah, I think there's a picture of the pedestals on the Instagram also. But yeah, I know some of the slabs I get barely fit in the back of a pickup truck. If I can't pick it up, then I don't take it. 
And it's, oh, dang. Yeah, some of them are heavy enough. I'm like, oh, I'm going to end up, you know, put, put my back out trying to get this rock. So, yeah, this stuff's yeah, not but, light. It it yeah. makes for good uh good fly tying bases though nice and oh, yeah. nice and it's, chunky yeah the one I have is ten pounds so it's not moving dang that's cool dang. um so you you moving those decent amount at the fly show then yeah I sold uh, let's see probably a half a dozen or so over the weekend so not bad I wasn't expecting anything so one's better than zero and six yeah. is better than one so if if anybody wants to buy one they just message you on Instagram then. Yeah, yeah, they can shoot me a message on Instagram, or they can stop by Moving Water Outfitters in Zionsville and um, check cool. it out that way. Which obviously, if you're remote or not in Indiana, just hit me up and I can mail them to you. Awesome. It'll only cost you eight hundred dollars in shipping. Uh, <laughs> luckily, they fit in a flat rate box, so it's like ten or fifteen depending on the size. That's crazy. Yeah. You can put those in a flat rate box. They don't have a weight limit on them. No, nope, it's all about <laughs> we should, size. We so. should just you know the male person's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should melt like um, just lead squares and cubes and see if we can have the heaviest box we can put in a flat rate and see if they'll do it. <laughs> you can get you can get pretty damn heavy with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think uh, originally we wanted to have you on. Because, um, you know, we haven't had you on in a while and you're sort of a, um, a guy that we always get demand for. So, hmm. uh, your episode, your first episode that, um, you were on is one of our top, I think three episodes that, uh, have been listened to. Um, and rightfully so I might add. Yeah. I was going to say so. like. For me, that's one of the probably one of the only episodes that I'll go back and listen to. Like, there's maybe like three or four I'll go back and listen to just to sort of like you know uh, get some re- refresher on the knowledge that was imparted on us, and uh, that's one of them. Um, but uh, you know, you obviously do do a lot of work with crawfish, so we can talk about that if you'd like. But we're sort of giving you the freedom to talk about whatever you want tonight. Um, so. You know, you can you can start, man. We're not gonna we're not gonna grill you. Well, or what, let you. So Josh told me that you're doing some sort of aging program. Yeah, is that, is that true? Are you working on like a private little science project? Oh, it's it's highly private. Oh, and I'm sorry. Did I just did I just freaking yeah. blast? No, now blast I, now I have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> it's like illegal. <laughs> the next time you're on the podcast, you and Josh will be hosting, and it'll just be my head mounted to your wall behind you, yeah, <laughs> instead of the deer right next to it. No, it's we uh, figure like one of the biggest. Uh, you know, we want to have you on pretty regularly. You know, so that you don't start your own podcast that will just absolutely yes. destroy ours. <laughs> so we figure we can bring you on. You know, yeah, we're working about a, we're working about a once a year. Uh, visit at this point, I think. I think it's always like yeah. January or February because, you yeah. know, there's nothing else to do in the middle of the winter time. So I think that's yeah. a threat, dude. I think he just passive aggressively threatened to start his own podcast. <laughs> he's, yeah, I don't know. It, you could come yeah, on, dude. Honestly, we'd have you on it. You, you know, could definitely you have like. a good podcast. You're, oh, yeah. you're like, you know, it's pretty, I, I love, I love uh, when people come on this show that can teach us things. And I feel like you're one of the, one of the people that can come on and teach us things. I mean, all the, you know, you're talking about the episodes that you go back and listen to, like, it seems like the ones that I do will give like a second listen to are always the ones with the, with the PhDs. 
yeah. with the people from academia. I feel like those are the best. Yeah, well, part of it is... No is, pressure. No, we can... I mean, once you're in academia, you, you learn to talk forever and ever and ever and just keep talking. So, right. you know, when you shut it down after an hour or so, we're just trying to get the information out. That's what usually slows everything down. Or you're like, man, I wish I would have said that last time or rephrased it this way. But, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm currently working with... Um, one of the local guides around here and a guy that is fishing his ass off trying to catch, basically he's got a big fish project going on himself of the local streams of here in Indiana. And um, I got connected with them and they're kind of curious about age structure and the various creeks and streams and rivers that they're fishing in. So I, I volunteered and said, well, I, I can age the scales for you if you collect them for me. So um, we're in the process of that. I've got, Oh, let's see. Look at my bench right now. Probably a half a dozen to 10 different sites throughout Indiana where they have fished together. One guy's fished by himself and collected scales from fish that are basically 12 inches all the way up. So what I've done or what I've asked them to do is collect me at least, you know, three to five fish from each half inch age class. So 12 inches, 12 and a half, 13 inches all the way up. As, as much as they can get. So I just started going through those scales and, and looking at ages. And there was a little bit of pushback at the beginning of the project when the, the word got out to a few state folks and then just other biologists around that said, well, you know, scales aren't that accurate. Uh, yes, very clear scales aren't the most accurate aging structure, but we're not going to kill smallmouth bass just to get an age off of them when we can take scales and get and a to do that, you have to get some kind of bone off of them, right? Yeah, it's called the otolith. You basically have to yeah. cut the head right in half, so you go about a half inch behind the eyes and just. Cut I mean, straight free down. the fighter. I was gonna free say, fighter. I mean, <laughs> you should have done this with Chris because he already cuts the heads off of fishes any of fish anyway. That's true. So I mean, yes. it wouldn't even matter. Yeah. That's a known thing about me. I'm a fish deheader. <laughs> hey, I just thought of the weirdest thing. Like, just imagine if fish ever discovered like. Like some like true detective style fish or just like tracking down the fish murderer and they stumble upon Reed Morehouse's drawer just filled with like <laughs> several hundred scales. <laughs> Guys just puking in the corner, Don't like, oh my old. God, he's sick. <laughs> <laughs> he's sick. No, that's uh that's freaking awesome, dude. So how accurate are the scales when you when you go to age them then? So it depends. Um in general with um, centarchids, so your all your bass, your bluegill, those species that have um, these hard scales on them, you get within like six to eight years, and you're pretty damn accurate. Once you get above that, that's when you start getting the uh, give or take of one or two years, usually because what happens is these scales they lay down rings just like a tree does. But if you look at a tree, if you cut ever cut a tree and look at the rings, they're pretty damn obvious. Of there's a ring, there's a ring, there's a ring as you count up. What happens with the fish scales is, and we've, I mean, we've seen it actually just recently in the past few years here that if you remember last February, we had like those three days of seven degree weather. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can almost go back and look at some of these scales and show you, okay, a year ago from now, look at how that ring on that fish scale looks different than the rest of those rings because of those three days of seven degree weather in February. Holy crap, dude. So Whoa. yeah, the winter time, they'll lay down real, real tight you know, lines basically forming one good band. And then so is that just a, because their metabolisms like slowed way down? 
yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, slows way down. That kind of just helps that slower growth during the winter time because they're always fish have indeterminate growth. So they grow no matter what, they never stop growing. It just slows as they get older. And once you get past that, I'm going to say probably eight year mark on average, you know, there's in the Midwest, at least you go other places, United States is going to be slightly different. But once you get past that point, those rings get real tight on the edges of those scales and it makes it a little bit more difficult to actually see what you're aging. So there's a couple different processes you can go through and look at to make sure you're not counting what's considered a false annuli or a ring that's set down. That's not really a true growth ring on it. And that's where there's some of those, those local climate differences or weather differences over the course of a few days to a week can change kind of what those lines look like in those scales. So, um, hmm. It's, it's, it's real interesting that way, but it's, it also makes it a little bit more difficult when you get to some of those larger fish to say, okay, this fish is, you know, 10 years old, or this fish is 11 years old. Usually when you get to scales, you give like a range, you say this fish is at least 10 years old, but probably older. So hmm. there's always that kind of that relative, um, nuance thrown in there. So the only benefit of this project that we're doing is all of these scales were collected last year within the same few months. So. Um, I can at least do a relative of system to system to system comparison between them. Hmm. I have a lot of questions about this thing, but um, so do you want to talk about like, I know you haven't fleshed out the entire study yet, but what about like result wise? Do you have any like real interesting takeaways from what you've seen so far? Um, I aged a few scales tonight for one system just to see. I had a hunch as might be different and I wanted to, of course, throw that teaser out because everyone loves teasing, but I aged one fish last week that was at least 13 years old. Oh, dang. And it's probably a little bit older because of the way those lines are lined up on the edge of those scales. And it came from a system. You would not expect a fish to be one big enough to be 13. 13 plus years old, but also too being 13 plus years old. Cause in general, we look at that 10 to 13 year mark as kind of like the real old fish in Indiana. Um, How this, big was that fish? Uh, 20 inches. Okay. And, and it, what river was it? And from? it came from a very small trickle of a string. Okay. Yeah. Ah. I'm not, yeah. I, at this point I can't give away any, uh, in any like rivers at approximate, all. Approximate like bridge that it was near. <laughs> uh, no, that's, yeah, that's super interesting. Plus it's a really good way to trick people into giving you their fishing spots. Yeah. So I've got the, like, Hey, I'm aging these fish. Please tell me where <laughs> yeah. you caught them. For the <laughs> sake of science. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're basically a climate denier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's happened is I have the exact holes where some of these fish are caught. Just, right. just, just because I know the systems, but for, yeah, for comparison, crazy. I just aged another 20 and a 22 inch fish from a couple of different systems. And those were sitting around 10 or 11 years old. So, so is that surprising for you? I mean, cause you know, when you go up North, that's not uncommon, you know, but I think that, you know, I, I was kind of under the assumption that the life cycle of smallmouth here pretty much ended at that 12, 13 years. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. And that's where most of the literature is right now too, just because I don't think there's been a real deep dive into it. I think the last DNR study was done in the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. So all of those fish are clearly dead at this point. 
being 30 plus years old. Um, right. So far, the ones that I have aged, it's, I wouldn't say surprising. I was, ex- I guess I wasn't expecting anything, but I had a hunch that I'd see differences in some of the different systems just based off of size of the stream, water quality, habitat, and then of course, forage base. That's what I was mainly going to ask is like, what would cause, um, one system to, you know, have more longevity of life and other ones to not. So yeah. I guess some of that's going to be stream size in general. Um, that one twenty incher came from a system that I was surprised one that there's a 20 inch fish in that system. And I know there's more than just that one that's in there. Um, but the, the forage base is kind of what I went to first that and habitat of are there deep enough holes for these fish to, you know, hang out in and still be able to feed throughout the winter time. And there's some, we could, I mean, this project here could dive into a whole dissertation if someone really wanted to looking at different GIS layers and just habitat in general, these systems. But um, I've got samples from some streams that are heavily bait fish dominated and then samples from streams that are heavily crayfish dominated. So those are the ones that I, I really want to look at to see, okay, are these fish that are, you know, mainly eating crayfish most of their lives growing faster or slower or the same rate? You know, the, the systems are very similar in size and overall, you know, just geography of them. It's pretty close to it. So I haven't got to all of those yet. I've literally done a couple sites and then a few teasers of these big fish just to see what I'm looking at here. So, um, hmm. can I, can I, I, I go ahead? Yeah, go, on. go No, go ahead, Josh. Well, I, so this may, this is getting a little off topic, but I know you were mentioning like the different, uh, forage bases and the different streams. What's your um, what's your take on Sugar Creek as a forage base right now, and what like over the last I don't know how much work you've done on it, but like the last ten years or so, what what is what has the been the dominant uh, forage there? Sugar Creek is heavily dominated by bait fish. That's what I thought. There's a few crayfish in there. Um, I mean, there's more than a few, but it's it's heavy. So you dominated. should always fish with crawfish lures, though. Just tell everybody only, that's <laughs> don't only, use bait fish yeah. imitations. <laughs> yeah, use crawfish, especially at the end of June time period when they're all out molting. Yeah, because that's that's where if you fish sugar enough, you see that switch happen in that system. Yeah, right. To all where right. all of a sudden the bait fish has disappeared and everything's looking down because there's a bunch of crayfish that have come out. And a lot of that has to do with the species that are in there. Um, there's a few other systems. Chris and I have fished one of them before that. When you walk, you see the bottom of the stream move because of so many crayfish. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that that one's clear. I mean, but we catch a lot of them on baitfish too on there. But that one's clearly crayfish dominated from a structure standpoint. And mm. some of your pictures probably show the crayfish claws coming out of the mouth anyway from that system. But how how far back do you think the bait fish uh, that sugar has been bait fish dominant? Is that you think it's been that way for as long as you know? Or no, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would I would have to guess probably as long as that system's been basically formed and got mature the way it has been. So because it's you usually don't see that many swings in crayfish populations. They might go up and down, but they stay somewhat steady overall unless there's some crazy environmental factor which 
Sugar Creek was dominated by PCBs back in the day also from just the, the manufacturing that was on it. So, but that usually mm-hmm. doesn't knock out crayfish that much. So it's probably been bait fish dominated just forever. I mean, it is a overall pretty healthy, diverse system when it, when it comes to bait fish in general. So describe the process of taking a scale sample and, and also looking at it for the aging purpose. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's actually pretty basic. Um, some people always say go from head to tail to remove the scales, but you, I think personally, I think you do more damage doing it that way, but I just take a pocket knife or even it's usually a pocket knife because I always have one on you and you just put it under the edge of basically four or five, six scales, put your thumb on top of the scales and kind of just pluck them out. And that's when you just put them in an envelope and they dry. And then at that point you can go to the processing side of it. Um, there's a, there's a couple of different ways to actually look at the, the rings on the scale or the annuli to see how old it might be or um, to kind of see what's going on. So one way is using the old micro fish projector, which I'm only 38, but no one in Boone County where I live knows what a micro fish projector is, not even the libraries. So I was, I was surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, Lebanon surely has a micro fish projector somewhere. They, nope. They didn't know. They said, Are you talking about like a microfilm? Like yeah. microfilm? Yeah. So it's a projector that reads microfilm, but you can put scales on it and it blows the scale up onto the screen to where, you know, that scale is now a foot, you know, a foot wide right. and a foot tall. So you can see the, you can see the annual easier. Wow. So that's one way of doing it. The other way is just using a, a microscope, whether it's a dissecting microscope or, you know, a compound microscope where you can zoom in and able to manipulate that scale to, be able to see the ring. So there's a lot of tilting the scale a little bit for the light to reflect on it properly so you can see everything. And that's, those are the quick and dirty ways. The, well, yeah, most biologists anymore will put them on basically an acetate, you know, a polyfiber, polycarbon slide for a microscope, then put it through a press. So Mm -hmm. it takes that scale and then puts that image on that, basically a plastic slide and then they look at it underneath a microscope or a microfish projector. Cause it's they're preserved permanently at that point. So, so was this part of the, of your graduate studies or was this part of your PhD program where you learned how to do this or is this sort of basic, you know, it's, uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's one of the first things you learn in a fisheries degree as an undergrad because it's so easy to do. And there's always, you know, test questions that has a scale that says how old is this fish so you mm-hmm. learned it pretty quick and i did a i did a study with the dnr oh f- 10 years ago now i think on six northern indiana lakes looking at largemouth bass growth but we compared mm-hmm. um the scales to the soft fin rays and then also the hard spiny spiny rays so basically dorsal fin clips and anal fin clips and then scales to see kind of on a relative basis which one non-lethal method was more accurate and spines were, Hmm. spines were pretty good overall until you hit that, the age length. But from a processing time, scales are still there for a quick and dirty aspect. Yeah. And I mean, so the, do you like, um, the, the guy that's out there collecting your samples, I mean, are you like, did you tell him kind of how to do this? Is this something he already knew how to do? And does it leave like any scars on the, 
on the fish or does it cause any any harm like that no so he i basically gave him a quick rundown on how to do it and yeah. um, they were able to do it quite easily one thing that'll happen is once you remove fish scales they will regenerate them through time okay so you can actually and i've, and I've Get seen a some of reading <laughs> exactly so if you think yeah. about like a, a smudgy fingerprint if someone moves their fingers you're trying to fingerprint them at all that's kind of what like the center of the scales look like when they're regenerated and you can still see rings outside of that smudgy mark but at that point you don't know how many rings have been smudged or when those scales were lost at that fish's lifespan so you basically have to take that scale and disregard it you can't use it for an aging process um, gotcha. so that's what i do so that, that's why you need a good half a dozen to a dozen scales just in case because it's a, it's inevitable you always get regenerated ones especially on larger older fish because they've just been around longer and then if you think yeah. about the spawning process and what their tails look like after one season of spawning their bodies get yeah, pretty tore wild. up yeah scraping up on everything so actually like i I didn't realize, I guess probably until last year or maybe the year before, like how much damage they can actually do to their tail and just grow it back. You know, I mean, there were a couple, maybe it was even Chad Miller or I think Alex sent me a picture of one and I just yeah. assumed that it was like an otter, you know, that was, that had gotten a hold of it. But I mean, it was like basically a nub Yeah, and Somebody told me that you looked at the pictures and said it was it was probably just spawn activity. Yeah. Did you I, see those? Yeah, I think I can't remember if Alex sent them to me or if he just posted it and I commented on it. But yeah, I think he caught some fish from the tippy. And mm. of course there are there are otters up there, but yeah, I think Chad finally came back and said, Yeah, it's just spawning, man. So kind of confirmed what other Wild. other people have said. But yeah, it was literally lost about two and a half inches off of that fish's length from from <laughs> Yeah. I caught up. one. That, I caught one this year that was. It would have been every bit of like nineteen and a half, and it was. It was like a seventeen and three quarters or something. It wasn't even eighteen, mm. and you could just see it. It has no tail. It was just like. Yeah, I've seen the the tail thing. Um, I've seen just because I used to largemouth fish all the time, and they'll do the same thing. They'll just wear down their tails like crazy. What I when we caught some fish up in Minnesota, I didn't realize how bad they could rash their side up. His little turn, you know, and right. like I had one fish that looked like, you know, looked like it had been shot with like a shotgun. Like it was, you know, had scrapes and crap scars all over it from probably previous years, but it was an old, you could tell it was, it didn't have much time left. Like it was, it was an old fish, but yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. I think it's all more the reason of why we should not be killing anything and preserving every single one of them if possible because yeah. of what they put their bodies through. And it's like, well, if they can make it through that, then I mean, yeah. I mean, think about that existence. Like these fish that live for 13 years. I mean, that's like everything in there is a predator, people throwing sharp hooks at you all day long. I mean, think about all the stuff those, those animals live through. It's pretty wild, ever changing. Their, their condition is always in motion. It's always changing. It's, it's pretty fascinating really. Yeah, mm. definitely a species that deserves some respect when it comes. I mean, we couldn't do it, especially river. Fish. I mean, I could, but you guys, yeah. you guys probably could not survive. <laughs> I would be, I would be fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like river fish. Like that's one of the things I sort of think about when I'm comparing them to lake fish. Like lake fish have it so much easier. They're just like you know, there's not 
the like um, constant, they're on a constant treadmill. And I feel like it's like a way like more um, dangerous environment where like in the summertime, those lake fish, they can just basically go down on the bottom and not move. You know, they just sort mm-hmm. of like lays around and you can tell by the way they're built, you know, those lake fish just like all they do is eat and sit and river fish just, you know, they're so much leaner, so much, uh, so much more muscular. Uh, That'd be an interesting little little spinoff of your study read like how how old lakes like smallmouth are as compared to river smallmouth from around here so i doubt there's been any study on that yeah probably not in central indiana i mean the perfect system to do it on would be the tippy and then freeman and schaefer right yeah i mean if you the fish same them, virtually if you fish, the same fish yeah but yeah. if you fish those lakes those fish are way more football mm-hmm. than even when you get into the river like i'm assuming that what was it two years ago there was a potential 23 inch caught right there at the bottom of the dam yeah right. made it to the nr i mean that fish more than likely did not live its entire life in the river and it came from the lake at some point yeah that's pretty wild that was who who was oh sweet and dr sweeten was talking to us about and i think it was dr salmons was talking about fish that move over dams yeah. You know, how, how frequently that happens. Yeah. You know, we just sort of assume that these fish that are in a lake are locked into the lake and the fish that are in the river are locked into the river. But, you know, there probably is a pretty free flow, I would imagine. Yeah, well, especially on that dam coming from the lake to the river. Yeah, they can just, a little waterfall ride and they're yeah. in the river. What would be interesting yeah, right. is, is going up north of the lakes or upstream of the lakes and seeing how many of those fish actually move up into the river for spawning, but instead of hanging out in the lakes. Right. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, I, I mean, other than just the main stem of the tip of canoe, I think there are several, several other creeks that, that flow into Schaefer and Freeman. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the river systems um, that I've like, I fished the up above the lakes and I fished down you know, below the dams and man, it's like two different rivers. Like it's completely like the habitat. There's like grass and there's pike and there's all kinds of weird stuff up above the lakes. And then below the lakes, it's like, it's just this like river system that never changes because it has that control flow. And it just like, it looks the same. The trees have been there forever you know, there's really no vegetation there. It's like the perfect bottom. It's just, it's a weird, you know, dynamic with those two different parts of the river, but they're the same river. And it sure is likely caused by the <clears throat> human intervention, you know, to put those dams there. So, dude, last time we went to the tip of canoe, I, I can't believe we didn't talk about this on the podcast. The, the boat launch from hell when we went to tip of canoe a few weeks ago. Well, I didn't talk about it on purpose because I didn't want to embarrass <laughs> ourselves. But, but oh man, it was it was start pretty talking, bad. Start talking, boys. Start talking. Let's hear it. It was. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was pretty bad. It was one of the. It was a low point, I'd say. So it was. It was. Uh, it was more embarrassing because Chad Miller pulled up right in the middle of it. Yeah. And the boat's hanging halfway off the trailer. Hold on, hold on. Uh, so here's what happened, okay? This is, so don't, I know that you just skipped over your most negligent 
portion of the story on purpose. I'm not going to have it. So we, no, we get to the boat launch. For sure. We get to the boat launch. And I'm standing up. I'm a fiddle farting around, you know, with my gear and as I usually am. And Josh is ready to go because he put on his waders before we got in the truck. So I still had to put on my waders. So I said, hey, can you put in the scupper plugs in the back of the boat? Can you put in the drain drain plugs? The drain plugs. And Josh says, because we're in my jet boat. And Josh says, sure. How many are there? And I said, I think there are three or four. I can't remember because I just... The guy that welded on my pods messed up my uh, my drain plug, so I they changed the number of them. I was like, I, I'm pretty sure there are, I'm pretty sure there are three. There might be four. And Josh said, "Okay, sounds good." So you know, I get ready. I'm like, "All right, I'm ready to go." Unhook the boat. By the way, like, have you ever seen end. a boat with four drain plugs? I've never seen that in my no, life. I have. I was my like, boat. I was like, what, what? I, I was like, what is going on? It's actually so my, it's actually my boat now. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you. No. I, <laughs> the, oh, did you just, did you just Tom Hanks me? I am the captain now. Did you just? I technically I haven't given, I haven't given you the check for it yet, so I guess it's your boat technically. It's, yeah, so. you did. You are. But anyway, so, so I said, you know, hey, plug up the, plug up the drain holes or whatever. So. We're, we're good. I unhook the boat. Josh backs me in. And as soon as I turn on the outboard and start to back off the trailer, I hear what sounds like somebody chugging a milk jug behind me. It's just, go, 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 go. and I'm like, I immediately open the hatch, look in. There's my drain plug. Josh left my drain plug sitting on the back deck and there's water just, you know, bubbling in. So I throttle up. I tell Josh, Hey, back, back down. I throttle back on the trailer. No harm done. Okay, no harm done by this. Now, There's now, just a, now if we're telling the story accurately, Chris is in a mild panic attack at this point. He's like, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and he's like, pull up, pull up. And I'm like, what? Like, pull up, pull up, pull up. Like, yeah. like the boat's going to go under, you know, because the well, drain there were two drain, There were two drain plugs left unplugged. <laughs> Okay. So it wasn't for nothing. The river's flowing in. So I'm like, get, get me back on the trailer. So I throttle back onto the trailer and I take the, the pulley off of the, you know, that that pulls the boat back up the winch and I clip it onto the front eyelet of the boat. And I'm like, Hey, just go ahead and pull up. It'll be fine. Cause the boat was only like halfway on like three quarters of the way on the trailer. Three quarters of the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely hanging there a little bit. And like the winch was just keeping the front end from bouncing up or whatever. So right about that time when I'm panicking about the a ton of water being in the boat and the boat just sort of teetering halfway on and off the trailer, Chad Miller pulls in like literally like worst possible moment for someone that, you know, to see you do this. So he pulls in the boats, just like teetering off the trailer. There's water flowing out of the back. So I go to jump off the boat and I slip and just fall onto the parking lot. I don't know if I fell all the way, but I definitely like lost my balance and looked like, like I like got, ha- I did a halfway deal. You remember when you were a kid and you go to climb a fence and you just sort of crotch on top of the fence and you're like, Oh God, I'm halfway over the fence which way am i going to go my nuts are going to get torn off so i did one of those on the side of the boat and fell kind of and chad pulls in he gets out first thing he says well i would have loved to have seen you fall 
<laughs> I was like, huh. was like, that would have been a great start to my morning. Like, hey, you know, like trying to like make sure my boat's all right. Like, and, uh, hey, and George, George was with him. Yeah, George Russo's with him, mm, which yeah. I never met him. So first exposure to George is us just looking like the <laughs> three freaking stooges on the boat ramp, looking like morons. So anyway, so I go back. I'm plugging up the drain holes. You know, this water just flow. I mean, there was. Had to have been 150, 250 gallons of water in there. I mean, it was crazy. Oh, it was it was almost <laughs> at the bottom of the river, dude. Almost. The, dr- the river basically ran dry when my boat filled up <laughs> with water. So, uh, anyways, we, you know, we're talking with Chad. The boat's just like bobbing on the trailer. <laughs> it's barely on the whole time we're talking. So, anyway, so we end up launching. And Josh <laughs> pulled the pulled the trailer down. Uh, you probably forgot about this part, didn't you, Josh? Oh no, I I okay. knew it's not over. <laughs> it's, that's, that's not even it. I mean, that's a that's a, the a tragedy of a boat launch from the start. Just losing the dra- like drain plug situation, which, almost falling which, out of the boat. Which, boat's halfway on the trailer. Yeah, most people that's that bad a, enough. Most people that had a boat have left their drain plugs out at some point. That's like a pretty sure. you know that's like a common occurrence. So. We could give ourselves a pass. We should have got the boat all the way up on the trailer. Yeah. 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 I mean, we look like idiots, but whatever. It's not, you know, whatever. So anyway, so we get, you know, we talk with Chad for a few minutes and like, all right, boys, have good, you know, good luck. We're going to go launch our boat. I don't know if you saw the full, the full thing from before, but I pretended like we were getting ready to launch, you know? (laughs) So whatever. So we back down, unhook the boat. I launch. And as Josh backs the trailer in the water, the current catches the trailer and pushes it sideways. So when it pushed it sideways, it basically put a giant 20 ton block of concrete between my truck and my boat trailer. So he literally could not pull the truck right there. Yeah, there's like a concrete dock there. So Josh literally could not pull the trailer out and could not back the truck down further. And the it was river, just, the river was up like quite a bit. Like it was flowing. What like it was like twenty five hundred. There's like three thousand. Three thousand CFS. So it was like the river. The ramp was already kind of like hard. You know the the water was way up the ramp. And when we pulled over, the current was pushing so hard right there. It just pushed that trailer sideways. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I. I get out and I'm looking, I'm like, if I pull up, I'm just going to slam the trailer into the side of this concrete right. and if you structure. backed up, you were going to back, you were going to hit my truck. Yeah. So it was, it was just like a bad, you know, situation. But anyway, so I'm like getting the boat ready and I look up and Josh is just like wedged, like <laughs> off the boat ramp. The My muffler is like almost in the water. So I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't see any of this happen. I'm like, what are you doing? So anyway, so we get up. And I, we're just both flabbergasted. Like, what are you know? What are we gonna do? Then Chad walks down and sees what we've done now, and he just he's like, "What? What are you guys? <laughs> it's like, what are you guys doing?" So we we ended up having to unhook the trailer, and all three of us, me, George, and Chad, pull the trailer up out of the water onto the boat ramp, back the boat, back the truck down, and hook the trailer back on. Yeah, which. I've never had that. I didn't. I've never had that happen before. Like I've never had the current. I don't know if it was like when the boat. I think what happened when the boat was on the trailer, when we backed it in, the boat caught all that current 
because it has a larger surface area, and I think it just like pushed the trailer just sideways enough to where you couldn't get it out. But yeah, we felt like idiots. Pretty. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like I was it like was brutal. I was like, what the heck? I've backed a boat in, you know, a thousand times. I've never had the, anything like that happen. It was the worst one by far. Well, and at that point, the boat's are already in the water. So you just say, the hell with it. We're going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we <laughs> try to forget about it. I don't it. even like, yeah, I don't even like that trailer. I was thinking about just unhooking it and letting, <laughs> letting it become an artificial reef. <laughs> More habitat. Oh, yeah. Well, that yeah, was just a, my clip, my clip, my freaking, uh, my license plate off of it and just let it go to nature basically. Yeah. I was afraid like Chad, uh, you know, give Chad credit because he, he like was like, no, you'll be all right. I was afraid when we unhooked the trailer from the truck that like that, it would be like too much. Float away. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, Oh no, it'll be right. And I was going to like hook the winch to the truck. Like in case <clears throat> he's like, Oh, you don't need to do that. And I was like, okay, well, you're, you're obviously know what you're doing more than we do. So, you know, at that point we had literally zero grounds to just be like, no, I don't think you're right here. I think, I think we know a thing or two about launching a boat. I mean, that was, that was so clear to him that we needed help. (laughs) It was pretty bad. Let me take care of this for you boys. This is, oh man. Yeah. And we left there and we like, I, we're like, oh, dude, you know they're both freaking laughing at us so hard right now. <laughs> oh. I'm, surprised oh, I, I'm surprised I didn't hear about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's getting oh. around. But that that's, that speaks to Chad's character that he has not been telling that story to everyone because I don't know if I would do the same for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You have two books written about it. Well, at least you didn't try to pull a hillbilly method of getting the water out of your boat and just say, oh, let's just haul ass down the river and keep the plugs pulled until the water runs out, then put it back in. I've definitely done that right. before. Yeah, see, that's usually what <laughs> I, I really? do at the lake. Well, I didn't have a choice. I told you about that. I was freaking on my, uh, I had a like an aluminum bass boat. I was on White River by myself, launched the boat. I'm like fishing, you know. I ran, you know, half a mile downstream of fishing or whatever. I look back, dude, all my shit is just floating <laughs> in like six inches of water in the bottom of my boat. And I'm like, oh my God. And I, I had the only choice I had of just to run it. And luckily I got up on plane and it, it yeah. did. It drains most of it when you're running. So yeah. I felt worse about that boat launch than the time that I had to swim to get my boat. <laughs> Have you heard that, and, Reed? And, uh, it was only because I was like, I'll never see this teenager Uh-oh. again. D- Reed, if you haven't heard the story, he needs to retell it. He told it on the podcast, but it's one of those that's worth telling again. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, Reed. We're just testing whether you actually listen to this podcast or not. <laughs> you failed, dude. I know, I do. Every every time you guys say that about, well, we're at 43 minutes. I was going to say about 43 minutes in, you always say, well, if someone's still listening to this and it's a true listener... <laughs> And I, and I almost send a text message every time to be like, yes, you guys are still idiots, but I'm still here. Supporting <laughs> Thank you, dude. I, that would have meant so much to us. Just, just you're still idiots, but I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, go, keep, uh, keep this going, boys. I got to, we have a, a little review I wanted to read. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I want Chris to tell the story cause it's dude, it's literally like, I wish I was there. Like it, it pains me that I was not there to see this play out, but it was 
It's the it might be the funniest story I've ever heard from Chris. All right. So, well, you're a new you're here. New we go. Has spot lock, right, Chris? Yeah. Well, my old yeah, my old one did too. I'll just make sure yeah. the motor's turned on. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna tell <laughs> we're gonna tell the story. <laughs> All right. Here, here's a here's a little review from from uh, hashtag Lona Lano Lanon God. I don't know how that. Maybe uh, Louisiana non-god. LA non-god. I don't know. Hashtag wet boy nation. This podcast is for all the deep thinkers in West Virginia. Five star review. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What non-god. Obviously, Indiana is full of deep thinkers. I couldn't even read your name. So there we go. Uh, This one is from uh, Downriver Brian. Five star review. Appreciate the non-serious format. I love this show. In particular, I love the guys who don't take themselves too seriously. When life feels overwhelming and I can actually get out fishing myself, I just fire up this show and I'm laughing along with them soon enough. Thank you, Downriver Brian. That was a good for one. Your kind reviews. I like that. That was very nice. Now, now that you've made yourself feel good... Now you're going to tear yourself back down. <laughs> you need to tell the story. I launched my boat. Uh, it was in a very, it was on West street on, on white river street. So I have, I have, well on Josh's boat, I have, I had a uh, 80 pound old Terra. So the old Terra is like their self, like you can uh, automated launch. So you can press a button and it'll launch the trolling motor and then you can control it with your little controller. So you don't have to like manually pull on the trolling motor to put it in the water. So it's supposed to help you. Like when you launch your boat alone, you're supposed to be able to launch your boat and then use your trolling motor to bring it back to the ramp. That's the commercial. That's what I was going for. And I tried to launch my boat on West street and it launched I casually, there was a homeless guy there watching me. I casually got in my truck, drove up, <laughs> parked it, locked my keys in. I think I may have even swigged a coffee, maybe just like as like a one final, like, I don't need, to, I'm in no rush here. And the thinking homeless guy guy's, like, hey, you're guy's watching my boat float away, just thinking like how, how this, this guy's lost his boat. And I was thinking that would be no Homeless man, I did not lose my boat. I'm going to bring it back with the power of Bluetooth. So anyways, I go down to where I was going to bring the boat back, and I press launch, 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 and it's not it's not connecting like at all. So I had to like run down the bank, and I'm pressing launch as it's floating down the river. Launch, it's not doing it. So eventually I had to jump in the in the water and swim over to my this boat. Is, this is just south of the city of White River. Yeah, this it's, is like this isn't the dirtiest part be of White in. River. It's right where the homeless guys poop mostly in the river. So, anyways, I had to swim out to my boat and get in it, and I just thought, like, what this homeless guy must have thought. He's like, that I might have a messed up life, but at least I'm not such an idiot. But I'm launching my boat. And just watching it float down the river. Because, you know, I doubt if he knows that I actually had a plan. Probably just thought I was an idiot. <laughs> you probably um, made him feel better about himself, which is still a good deed for the day. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, my God, dude. It's not so bad, bud. I wish I was there so bad. Like, yeah. 
got that on. Well, video. even when it works out, it still seems like a like people are watching you think that was an unnecessary risk, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I've I've launched it several times and I thought, oh man, I bet I look so cool, but you don't. You probably just people are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> unnecessary risk. <laughs> yeah, you learned your lesson with that one. Yeah. So what what's going on, Reed? What do you guys have any big fishing trip coming up this year? Yeah, well, my my main fishing buddy moved to Cincinnati, so we're we're replanning um, some systems. So Brookville's halfway between us at this point, but also Greater Miami right there, running through Dayton, Ohio, and running down towards Cincy. Um, is yeah, that, is, I know some guys that fish that that listen to our podcast who catch yeah. very big smallmouth. Yeah, there's so. a, there's a healthy population in the the Miami system there. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to be hitting that up more. And then, of course, Brookville, just because why not go camp yeah. and fish Brookville? Walleye or smallies in the lake, so that, that aspect of it. But we're also... Do you have a boat right now? Yeah. yeah I've got what, a, do you, what do you have? I've got a Gen 3 1648. Just in the nice. flat bottom. It's good for the river, good for the lake, a little bit of everything. I got cool. Yeah, that's a whitewater is a good river. We like fishing out there quite a bit. Yeah, so yeah, what's, we, what's do you fish? What fork do you fish? Uh, West Fork. Okay. Yeah, a lot. I, I've fished the main stem a few times too, but, uh, and then of course the tailwater is there, but, you know, I don't really get into the trout thing, but, yeah. West, you know, West Fork's the better, better fork of those two. <clears throat> yeah. It's a good river, man. We really like it. It's, it's very different. I mean, because it's, it flo- it's not part of the white river basin or the Wabash basin or whatever. It's yeah. like the third, you know, separate water, water, you know, catchment or whatever. Um, so like there's the St. Joe system, which flows into Lake Michigan, which is like in the very Northern part of the state. And then there's the Wabash system, which is pretty much 70% of the state, 80% of the state through the middle. And then I think our only other, I think we might have a few that just flow directly into the Ohio, right? Yeah. Or do we have, is the Kankakee in a separate, that's in the Illinois system, I think. Yeah. Kankakee technically goes to the Illinois river. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have the Kankakee system, which goes into the Illinois river, the St. Joe with, which in that system, which flows into Lake Michigan, the Wabash basin, which is like 80% of the state probably. And then in the Southeastern part of the state, there's that little section of like, I don't even know. I think it's the Miami system. I think the white water flows into, into the Miami river before it joins the Ohio. But so it's a distinct river system. It's very different. You know, the water is super clear. Uh, it's a, a high gradient because of where it's at in the state. You know, it loses a lot more elevation per foot or per, you know, per uh, mile than most other rivers in Indiana. So yeah, it's, it's a, cool it's a good little system. Yep. It's probably, well, I think probably the, the second most diverse river system in Indiana with Tippy being number one. Oh, really? Yep. When it comes to number of fish species, which a lot of that has to do with what you just said, but also being directly connected to the Ohio. So mm. right. you get some different, yeah, I've got some friends that fish down in Cincinnati area. They fish the mouth of a lot of those rivers in the Ohio and catch some real nice wipers and some smallies that move up right there in those areas. So yeah, yeah that, that's the that's plans a- coming, going forward, fishing some different locations really. And if you like, uh, 
I guess if uh, Brookville's about halfway, so Flat Rock would be like probably another 40 minutes closer to you, 30 to 40 minutes closer, I guess. Yeah. But that's a, that's a pretty good system too. So that's pretty cool. And that's Cody, right? Yeah. He's your main fishing buddy. Yep. I didn't realize he moved. Yep. He just moved. So he's, he's dating my sister-in-law. So he, he moved to be with her. Mm. Mm. Women still ruining my life for the same family. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't listen to this. I can say whatever I want. So it's okay. Yeah. Cody's a cool dude. Uh, he just, I commented on something on Facebook. He bought this like overlanding camper. I'm sure you know about it, but yeah. the thing is freaking sick, dude. Yeah. yeah. It goes on top of his Tacoma, right? Yeah. It's so like it's a, a, he has like a camper shell camper. Thing. Yeah. So think of a camper shell with a permanent um, tent on top, but it's, mm-hmm. it basically folds up from the back of it and it's pretty watertight and sturdy as hell. Do you guys do that a lot? Like when you meet up and fish, do you like, usually, do like an overnight or something? Yeah. Usually we just camp someplace, yeah. you know, ba- base camp out and all of that. But you know, since I got that Smith fly with more space now, we've done a couple overnights here and there. Um, nice. Trying to do more of that this next year, making a dedication of actually planning trips and doing them. Not, not screwing around, just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Are you still working for the same company? Uh, I actually, I just switched jobs a week ago. Really? So, what yeah, are you doing we, now? Uh, same thing, but one of my clients sniped me, sniped me away. So they were like, hey, you ever think about leaving corporate? And at that point, I was like, yeah, every day, what's going on? <laughs> and, and, and here we are. So I'm the, I'm the central Indiana supervisor for this company now. So doing all the Pond and Lake management in the greater Indianapolis area, Lafayette area. Very cool. Nice. And all of that. So you'll be a little bit closer to home then? Or were most of your customers here already? Yeah, they're all here, so I don't travel outside of basically my house, well, to the office, but yeah, I don't have to go nice, to different, different states anymore, so. Very smart not putting your company name out on the podcast. I mean, this is a this is a, this is a show that I would not want my employer to know about. Uh, especially with that ATM talk at the beginning, dude, that's a non-starter. <laughs> Can you please there. bleep that out? I feel, I've been feeling self-conscious <laughs> about that for the last... 54 minutes and the fact that you just brought it up i confirmed it it's, thank it's, you it's fresh again it's all fresh <laughs> yeah now my 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 gm would probably be sitting here right here next to me if if he had the really? chance yeah they're all everyone loves a fish they're mainly salt fishermen but hmm. it's uh are they like are you uh doing sales stuff for them now or are you doing something a little bit different yeah, so I'm managing all the guys that go out and do, guys and girls that go out and do the pond and lake management, but also working on sales for them. Okay. So, and the scientific lead, I guess, for the entire company. So they call me for the tough questions to see if. So you were, before you were at a chemical supplier. Yeah, I was at I the guess. manufacturer and now I'm at basically, I'm buying from my old job. Right. So mm-hmm. haven't moved very far. Mm-hmm. So those relationships are odd, but still there. Nice. Yeah. You know how that goes. Shoot, dude, this new generation, man, that's one thing I've seen is freaking young kids, they switch jobs all the time. Dude, like where we're, you know, I our generation's more of a, you know, stay at a place and, you know, maybe switch one or two times. Dude, these kids now, they're like jumping every couple of years somewhere else. It's uh that would be very uncomfortable for me to do that. Yeah, it 
It definitely, it's been a smooth transition for me at least because I've never really left the industry with this job switch. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, they brought me in and I think they're expecting a lot. I'm probably expecting more out of myself than they're expecting out of me, but I'm just like pressure's on. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah. I, that, that, that's a good thing, I guess, overall. So, well, at least they knew, they knew you before they'd worked with you. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, there's that. Like so they obviously know what you're capable of bringing to the table. Yep. So you can always it, pull the Trump card, dude. Just tell me you've been on Smalley talk pot. You're a regular on Smalley talk podcast. Like if you've yeah. not heard, like, I mean, you're charging them for this appearance. I'm assuming. And this is good for them. Yeah. This is on their computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bleep that out. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So yeah. what, what's going on with, uh, what's going on with the Cheegan bod? Uh, well, folding. We're just, Huh? Well, Derek, DB was over at the no. at the shop last night. Um, What's going on? You guys working on some secret juju or what? We got a we got a secret project coming. Yeah, did I share that with you, Reed? Uh, you sent me an image that said I'll get one. That was it. Uh, so no, you haven't shared. Anything oh no no that Josh. wasn't no no that wasn't that's not our secret project. Um, that was just a, a mud bug design that I thought he would think was cool. So we're getting some mud bug hats and stuff. But um, nice. No, we gotta. Yeah, we gotta. It. We're go doing a. I would call it a pivot a little bit as a company. We're still gonna be doing apparel and stuff. We're going in the next next phase. So we got a secret project coming. It's launching March first. You'll start to see some teasers. Um, in probably in February. So Derek's doing. Uh, Doing some some work for some video work. We like him. Good dude. Does he's very uh, stuff's very funny, you know. So it's up our alley. But yeah, dude, he did a reel the other day where he was releasing a fish. Oh my god! And when he dude. threw it back in the water, it like it made like a nuclear explosion. <laughs> he like dubbed in a nuclear I explosion. <laughs> I know Hattie, my daughter, my youngest daughter, she watched that like a hundred times. She thought it was so funny. <laughs> I was like, that's the most, that's the most Derek content I've ever seen. My favorite one is when he kills, he hooks that chub, the chub. Uh, yes. And he, he kills it. Like he like foul hooked it and he threw it back in the water and it's like, you know, kind of wriggling. And then he plays some audio clip of some girl like talking about a sad moment and playing the sad music dude it's so freaking funny wasn't it sarah mclaughlin with the whole humane society music whatever it was yes (laughs) it's so funny Um, uh guys are right yeah but um but yeah man well do you guys have any anything else you want to discuss or well what's new in your boxes boys Ooh, i like that one uh yeah what do you got, nothing. Chris? You got nothing. Bro. Oh, well, I guess one thing I did want to, uh, new boat, no big deal. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, no, but that's still new. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> believe it or not, after buying a new boat, you don't get to buy new fishing stuff other than that. So yeah, true. Um, my boat's for sale and I talked about, I've had a bunch of people reach out and ask me if, if I just posted it last night. So uh, if you're interested in a 1442 Jet John um, Express, that's uh, for sale. Um, the uh, the new in your box thing, I just got a. Um, so I, I would consider this a new in your box because I use the Saint Croix warranty program as an upgrade program. Um, 
So when you break a rod, have you ever done this, Reed, with St. Croix? Um, no, but what are you snapping rods just to get new ones? I didn't do no. I I mean I broke it legitimately. <laughs> I, I broke it legitimately. Uh, you just I, confessed on the air. Um, no, Shimano, I, our Saint Croix, get him. No, I broke. It was all my Ned rig rod. I have a legend tournament, and I broke like um, like the first I don't know six inches off of it, and I re-tipped it, and I use it the rest of the season, but it still, you know, went from a six ten to you know six six rod, and. Um, so I, anyways, I had plans like in the off season, I'm going to call in and you, they give you the option. You can either get like for like, and it's like, I think 20 bucks shipping, or if you want a different rod, it could be any rod. You could just pay the difference. Yeah. Um, and I got, I ordered a legend X in that same rod. So I'm waiting on that bad boy, six ten medium light legend X spinning. So pretty. So do you have to send your old one back? Nope. You just have to cut it. Um, down by the handle and send them a picture so you can't like reuse it. I actually tried to not cut it. And then they're like, no, you actually have to cut this. So <laughs> Dude, you're a nightmare. Yeah. I so, mean, Hey, St. Croix ever listens to this, your hopes, your dream of them sponsoring our podcast will just be dashed. It, it was still like, I think it was like 220 bucks to upgrade to that one. So, cause those rods are like $450. So, um, they're going to go back and look at all five pictures you've sent and realize it's the exact same picture for five different <laughs> rods. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, you just got like a, it's a crude Photoshop where yeah. you just moved. <laughs> like, That's you know slightly what, different each time. The other. You know what's funny though? In St. Croix. That's I, why Derek was over at your shop yeah. taking pictures of all your rods and photoshopping, photoshopping them is broken. Yeah. Uh, you think St. Croix is like a pretty big company. Like they're probably the largest rod manufacturer, if not, you know, G Loomis and them both pretty big dude. I've probably done 10, 12 warranty swaps with them over the years. The same guy does it with every single one. And his name's Dan and he has a hmm. very thick Wisconsin accent. <laughs> and every time I call him, I'm like, what's up, Dan? I told him about our podcast. Hey, how's it going, bud? Yeah, <laughs> what's oh, up, you, bud? Oh, you break another rod, bud. Dude, you sound just <laughs> like him. <laughs> Did you break another rod, Josh? <laughs> but he asked about our podcast. Like, he, I don't know if he actually listens to it, but he was like, asked me. He always small Yo, Dan. Shout out, Dan. Yeah, Dan from St. Croix, dude. He's a smallmouth guy. So, so yeah. He was telling me how this new one's going to be a great Ned Rig rod, so. He By smallmouth, you mean walleye? Is he a walleye? Yeah. <laughs> He's just a walleye guy. Yeah, yeah. Those guys uh, up there, you read smallmouth any, and throw them back. That's right. Any new stuff in your box, bud? Well, I tied some flies just for just because I needed to tie some flies on that side of it. But I did go in through and buy a oh, I can't remember now twenty five or thirty new skirts for all of my spinner baits and everything, just to upgrade the skirts mm. on them, and some of them are they've been beat up and ripped and torn and everything. So that's probably right, the right. newest stuff, but also building a little bit larger deck on the front of my boat. So boat nice. addition, I guess, you know, from if you want to call that something new in the box, boat box. Yeah. That dude. counts yeah. for sure. So what are you building I, it out with aluminum or with uh, like know, plywood? Just plywood. I coat it in, yeah. in kills and then carpet it over the top of that. Match the rest of nice. it. But I'm also in the process of trying to figure out a better, system for my smith fly in the front 
So oh, like, like a lean bar situation or well, like so a standing got, platform? Yeah, so the, the Smithflies already have the lean bar on them, adjustable, at least the Big Shoals does. But more of a platform to get rid of that front seat, potentially, yeah. or build something out in front of the front seat type of thing. I like that. Which, oh, you need I, to sell that Smithfly, dude. We'll hook you up with the with the, the rat, dude. Get you a platform. Hey, you uh, can't spell raft without rat. This podcast is brought to you by River Rat USA. That's right, dude. Trip the rat. <laughs> I just texted him about our second platform. So we need Brian. If, yeah, he was supposed to get a second one. I'm hoping this one, I'm going to ask him to make it a little bit bigger. I'm going to extend it. Yeah, well, I mean, you can have the one that we've already got. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Chris will be like, yeah, you can actually have that. <laughs> I didn't even really. I mean, I put carpet on it, and yeah, I did a good job. But you can keep it if they make another one that's bigger. <laughs> yeah, probably the other one's gonna have like sea deck on it and be be uh, very flossy, as they say. Um, yeah, the uh, you know where the the main aluminum platform it could go back like another maybe seven inches or so on that those uh, oh, yeah. little rests. That's what I was hoping he'd do. So maybe he'll send two of those. So maybe maybe half um, of one. What's just that? half. Maybe he'll yeah, there you go. Just yeah. half. Yeah. There you go. It's like, quit asking. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the standing platform thing, I mean, we've, I don't know, dude. I don't know what else we can say, really. We've said it We've said it all about the standing platforms. You know, if, if these raft companies don't want to listen to Wet Boy Nation, that's on them. Yeah. Because we've said it. There's and, no better and, way. And you're starting to see it also, by the way. You're starting to see it now on drift boats. Adipose, did you see that? Mike Schultz has one on the front of his boat now. I wonder if they got that from us. Nah, I don't know, probably. I'm just saying maybe. But but anyways, you could <laughs> nah, these maybe. raft companies are <laughs> these raft companies are messing up, dude, for not doing that. I mean, if you're trying cheap. if you're trying to gig smallmouth on the bed, there's no better way. There's nothing better. Yeah. For bow fishing, smallmouth bass as they're spawning, there's not a better platform out there. <laughs> yeah, well, I so we did start uh, we did start planning for our annual trip. Oh, I don't dude, know, I'm Josh so posted something on our that. yeah on the Instagram about it. Yeah, I saw yeah. your picture. Re- reverse engineered it and saw exactly what creek you didn't black out well enough. I can't I can't stop you, dude. And if we see you there, <laughs> we'll see you there. If you're, um, if you're that good that you could reverse engineer it, I actually Josh thought about. I actually nervous. thought of. No, I actually thought about that. I was like, I wonder if anybody could actually figure out where this is from, you know. But honestly, like, like we're not, you know, as far as that goes. Honestly, if somebody wants to like fish there, like I wouldn't, you know. I there's nothing. There's only maybe like two or three places, like in my entire repertoire of fishing spots that I would be upset if somebody like knew how good it was. But other than that, they're just, you know, community holes. Is that, is that spot for your uh, Memorial day trip or is it just in general? Yep. Memorial day trip. So yeah, we're going to a different, going to a different river system, different state than we've gone in the last two years. You know, everybody, uh, probably has heard enough about those trips that we did to upper Mississippi area, but, uh, we're going somewhere else. 
So, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, part of the part of the allure for us is not really, you know, going out there and having the best fishing trip in the that you can have. It's also about no, you know, it getting is. out there on a different we'll go getting back out to, there on a different river and you know doing something different. Go back to the James then. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I've seen it. Thank you, Reed. <laughs> that totally shot Chris's like little high ground speech there. <laughs> it's just yeah. about nature. It's about experiencing the river. We don't care about. Well, be, I mean, be honest. If it was about just having like going out and catching as many twenty ounce small or twenty inch smallmouth as you can, would we go somewhere? Where we would go the same place where we've been going. We would, but I would say that. You know, it's a variety. I think that's what keeps like for me going to that place two years in a row. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we also this trip we're trying. We wouldn't go there unless we had uh, fair high, fairly high expectations for the fishing. So, but that's with that said, I don't think it's going to be as good. You know, no, I mean, I I've told you that repeatedly after what I've what I've read and surmised. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be as good of a trip as far as size goes, but I think it's going to be a great trip for other reasons. I tell you so, what though, as much as it's we, going to be good, as much as we dog the James, well, it's probably a really good fishery. We just went there the wrong time, but yeah, dude, of course that one float through the gorge was probably the coolest stretch of river I've ever been on or one of them. No doubt. I mean, even the, even the stretch we did on the first day where it was like, um, you know, you're up in the mountains, like in the upper sections of that river, which, you know, the gorge is kind of lower on the river, but you know, the upper sections were great too. I mean, there's mountains everywhere. It's really, as far as scenery goes, it's like, it's the coolest place I think I've ever caught smallmouth for sure. Yeah. That's cool. The Susquehanna was really cool too. That's a different type of scenery, but new river, mm-hmm. new river is probably my favorite from the scenery perspective, but James mm-hmm. and the new are pretty similar. So yeah, you guys just had a bad, a bad week. Yeah, yeah, for I, sure. I've got friends but, that grew up there that were like, yeah, the, they boner over it when I talk about it. I'm like, not what I've <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. I mean. It's more fun to just make fun of it. <laughs> makes you, Let's makes, be honest. It makes you human. You know, you, you actually have a bad trip <laughs> instead of catching 100 yeah. fish in December. So We are very human. Very, very human. Yeah. Especially after that James trip. <laughs> We were the most human and the Menominee trip, to be honest, but that was kind of more just bad planning. But anyways, guys, thanks for doing the podcast. Reed, do you have anything else you want to talk about, bud? Uh, We're at over an hour at this point, so I think we'll hold off, but some ideas we can talk about off offline. And I think uh, if you want a a consistent appearance or something. Yeah, man. You know, Dude, I will have you on whenever you, your little sweet little face wants to come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> little, right. little do you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, Dr. Morehouse and Josh, thanks for setting us up, bud. Yeah, no problem. Free the fighter, baby. Free the fighter. Free the See fighter, ya. boys. See ya. <laughs>